0: Welcome to a very special year and look The way it was, the way it will be Hello everybody, I'm Angelo DiScipio. Welcome to Wrestling with the Future Joined tonight by my co-host, Dan the Man Sebastiano The Happy Haberdasher The smartest man in the room, Daniel, how are you tonight?
1: I'm good You say year-end review, I don't know if there's much about 2020 I want to remember
0: <laughs> It's going to be one of them nights, brother and joining us from deep in the heart of uh, the Sunshine State. I don't know how much sunshine he's getting tonight. Big Ben Scala from Ocala. Benny, how you doing, brother? I'm doing all right. Well, it's been a, a really interesting uh, couple of days. Um, I didn't think this show was going to happen tonight, but uh, we're all, <laughs> the gang's all here. Um, let's just get right into it. We are uh, We are we're closing out 2020. Thank God, um, I don't know if 2021 holds much hope to be uh, any better, but we we, we certainly hope it. so. Certainly, in the world of professional wrestling, um, it's been a shitstorm one after another. Um, so Dan, let's uh, let's take a, um, a kind of a lazy look through 2020. Let's uh, let's start with with uh, what went right during the pandemic and uh, work our way into what went wrong. And certainly a lot went wrong, but uh, you are the smartest guy in the room. So tell everybody uh, from your perspective, what went right and what went wrong. And then uh, we'll have Benny chime in here.
1: Well, I think the, the, the biggest thing for me in the mainstream of wrestling is the WWE put their title on Drew McIntyre. He's a longtime worker, Hell of a hell of a performer. One of the legit tough guy wrestlers. Like it looks like he's actually beating the shit out of you. Uh, I think giving him a long title run where they protected him. You know they they have a bad habit of making their champions lose. He was uh he was he looked really good. Um, I I hate to compliment them because you know how much I bash them. A but AEW. Uh, spent a lot of this year with their commentary team being Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross, two of the best table talkers in in my lifetime anyway. Um, so I mean, hearing hearing commentary that's not Michael Cole shilling the network every five minutes was refreshing. Uh, you, you had obviously some some highlight matches, uh, a couple of personal moments, uh, you know, marriages and and children and whatnot, but. Really, if you if I had to pick a couple, that'd be that'd be my big two was was commentary and and McIntyre finally getting his due with the title run.
0: Benny, how about uh, how about from your your perspective? You're a guy who uh, who has a few years on Dan the Man, and uh, uh, what does the uh, the voice of experience say about the 2020 in pro wrestling?
2: Well, I I got, I got very I saw you know uh, NWA. Online, you know, on YouTube, their weekly show, and I thought, well, you know, finally something I can watch on a weekly basis, mm. and I really enjoyed it. You know, Jim Cornette, notwithstanding. Yeah, I uh, just cause he, I guess he said a couple of things that got himself in hot water. Oh boy, but like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, what else is new, right? Um, right, but pretty much, um, yeah. You know, the, the layout of the show, that like the you know how the matches were put over, the interviews and everything like that. And even Nick Aldis, I thought the way he kind of comported himself and everything, very old school. And I really started getting into it. And then they, you know, they yanked it out. You know, you mentioned
0: Nick Aldis. You know, I tell you what, I really, you got to kind of feel bad for Nick Aldis. Um, Absolutely. He looks like a champion. He carries himself like a champion. He's a hell of a worker. It's a shame, though. It's a real travesty that. He's never really had the opportunity here. And I say here, meaning in, in America. He's never really had the opportunity to show wrestling fans here what he's capable of. Um, squash match after squash match or mismatch after mismatch is more the case. Uh, but Nick is a hell of a worker, and I, I don't think that he's got his just desserts uh, or his or his rewards. Um, I don't know, Benny, maybe let's talk. uh, Maybe, Dan, you can throw your youthful insight onto this. Um, Benny, is it did he make political enemies or is he so old school Dan that people don't understand him or don't know how to take him? So we'll start with
2: Benny first. I mean, as far as Nick Aldis? Yeah. I I think the guy, he's got it all as far as I'm concerned. He can wrestle. He can, I mean, he just carries himself like a champion. The way he dresses, the way he acts. Yeah. He's very, uh, not really Ric Flair. I mean, he's not as flamboyant as Ric Flair was. And, you know, not as, you know, as far as the, the interviews. But he's, you know, he, he's probably, if Harley Race had a British scent, I think Harley Race would be Nick Aldis. Just the way he, you know, he carries himself, and you know. Well, yeah, and
0: and that's a really good point. And but here was here was my original question was, did he make enemies along the way, and why has he not gotten further um, than he has uh, so far? I mean, he's really, you know he he achieved the heavyweight championship of basically what was once. A great company that's now just a company in name. Dan, you want to throw your insight onto that one?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, um know I'm going right? I do. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. I don't want to say unfair, but it's. 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 not entirely fair to say he hasn't had the best success. I mean, the problem was most most American fans know Nick Aldous from his time in TNA uh but unfortunately there i mean you had the british invasion you had his uh various tag teams the by the time he was anywhere near the top of the card they were already scraping the bottom of the barrel with the aces and eights storyline with his the dixie with the dixieland stable or whatever uh when when dixie carter kept insisting on being the the evil manager and you know so so they kind of felt wasted on his end and then he jumps to tna and his his feud with tim storm which i thought was phenomenal especially because they they did all the correct me if i'm wrong uh i'm trying to remember what they were called the the title basically all these backstage mini documentaries on youtube the 10
0: pounds of gold
1: yeah exactly yes. thank you leading up to his leading up to their title match and he kind of ran with it since and i think uh tna or excuse me the the nwa sort of had somebody they could hang their hat on but yeah covid got in the way and
0: yeah, well, did did well? That's the question, Dan. You 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 prompted a great discussion. Did COVID get in the way, or did the NWA get in their own way? Well, well I I, think, I have, uh, and I want to talk to you and Benny about this because I have you laugh for that, and because you know what is some here. Well, I,
1: I I think from the from the NWA side, I think you can blame COVID. They. Unlike unlike uh, AEW and the WWE, the NWA didn't own the arena they were filming in. I think if they did and they were and they kept making empty arena YouTube shows, I think mm-hmm. they would have stayed more relevant. Um, I, the problem is is that they how to, how to word this, they went old school. I mean, those NWA broadcasts remind me of the territory shows from the eighties. Uh, you know, fifty people crowd. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But the problem is the problem is the, the average fan wasn't ready to just lock, stock, and barrel into the old school. I think they should have exactly. started more and modern that, and slow transition. that's the problem.
0: That, Dan, you just nailed it. That's the problem. That's the problem. The old school fans like Benny and I really appreciated how much time and money and uh, energy they took in the aesthetic look. Of that studio. If they spent as much money. On the talent. As they did in that studio. They may still be around. And if you're Billy Corrigan. And you're a multi-kazillionaire rock star.
1: Right.
0: Is it going to kill you to buy a little building somewhere?
1: That's a fair point.
0: Okay. Uh, Here's the problem. I think that NWA is as much responsible for their demise as COVID is because they could easily have purchased a small, you know, 80 by 100 building somewhere to house their shows. The problem is they were spending all this money on on the look. Well, you know, looks can only get you so far, you know? And that's yeah. the problem. They spent all this money on the aesthetics and all this money on talent. They paid way too much money, by the way, for some right. of their talent. A lot, a lot of money For and again, remnants of WCW ATM, Eric spending all this money to have people just so they won't go to the other guy. Yeah. When,
3: when are we going to learn the lesson? When, Benny, when are we going to learn the lesson? <laughs> Benny, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, hear me? I, I, I was, I was saying, well, when are we
0: going to learn the lessons of WCW? Why, why did it take NWA folding up to learn the lessons of WCW?
2: Well, you mentioned Billy Corgan being a multi-gazillionaire, and and you know. Remember back in the day, like when Billy Graham was a champion, he fought Harley Race, I think it was Miami, like a two out of three fall match, Yeah, you know, the, the WWF champion against the NWA champion. And then you had uh, Bob Backlund, I think, fought Ric Flair in uh, Atlanta. Yeah. And maybe if Cargan if, if could have approached Vince McMahon and said, you know, why don't we promote like, you know, uh, uh, Nick Aldis versus Drew McIntyre. And I think that Well, elevate- you
0: know what? Uh, and Dan, I hope you're going to go where I was going. I hope you're going to go where I was going. Because we saw a promotion, Benny, actually do that. That promotion became AEW. That promotion became AEW. Wow. We saw it with Nick Aldis yep. and Cody Rhodes, yeah, Rhodes
1: the, right? yeah. the, in the Chicago. Very, yep, the very first... uh. All Out and Double or Nothing pay-per-views featured AEW talent against NWA talent. I think it was uh, Nick Aldis won the NWA title from Cody Rhodes at one of those two pay-per-views. That's
0: exactly exactly my point. That's exactly my point. So, yeah, it had been done. And And they took – I thought, Dan, that they took a a concept and ran with it and made the best of it. And why they did not continue is beyond – my scope of understanding.
1: You know, it's funny you mention that because that's something that's happening right now in AEW with Kenny Omega exactly. having just won their title. The, 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 exactly. mo- the, the first promo he cut 10 minutes after the match when they were doing the post-match interview, he said he was going to be on TNA the next week to, to bring their title over. So you're starting to see AEW and TNA bleed into each other.
0: I mean, this is, this is what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. It, it, it's, it, the, the mindset is just it's it's beyond comprehension that we're we're living in a time when so much possibility exists, mm-hmm. but so little creative input into the mix. And why? Benny, the voice of experience. Again, I go to you, my friend, deep in the heart of Ocala, Florida. Okay. <laughs> the voice of experience. Pull us pull
2: us out of this muck and mire. Well, you know, I, I really do think though that you know WWE is the key though, because it, I think if Nick had a match with a Drew McIntyre or a Brock Lesnar, I, I you know, or a Randy Orton, don't you think it would lend a lot more credibility to the NWA? Well, and
0: there's a question for you, Dan. Now maybe um you can shed some light on this, because I don't know what the backstory is. Uh, Nick Aldous's wife, Mickey James Yes. was with WWE for a, quite an extended period of time. Um, keep in mind now she's not, well, she's not an old lady, but she's certainly not a young woman right. in terms of the 20-year-olds that they have there now. We'll call her a seasoned veteran
1: yeah i believe I believe she's forty yeah either forty or forty one
0: okay in yeah, in she, terms of of women's good, wrestling, though. but yeah, but in terms of women's wrestling, she's a veteran she's she's older right but mm-hmm. you know she she's wrestling with and against people that are nineteen 20 years old it's i mean you have to really stop and think about the age differential here yeah. She's old enough to be the mother of some of these girls. I would say
2: most of the the women she wrestles watched her when they were kids on TV. Yeah, Benny, that's my point. (laughs)
0: But here's the other point I'm making. They had Nikki there. Would it have killed them just to bring Nick over? Would it have Uh, killed them to have a... Uh, and I look, you know, my mind always works. I, I would have called it Nicky and Nicky, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they did a big uh, a big storyline in TNA when she was doing her country music side projects right. where Nick Aldis kind of became well, I guess he was Magnus back then. He kind of became yeah. Mickey James's husband more than he was his own character, but I'd have to look this up. But I'm if I'm I remember correctly something about him personally. There was a the story when he became a free agent when he left TNA. The story was no the WWE wasn't interested in him at all. I don't know whether it was his look or his attitude or what, but I do know the story came out that they they didn't even give him a second look,
0: and that's a shame because I would have taken Nick Aldis. And I'll tell you straight up what I would have done. I would have made him. And Benny, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I would have molded him in the image of Lord Alfred Hayes. He would have been perfect as that Lord Alfred Hayes character. Right. Because Alfred Hayes, people think, oh, he was just an announcer. Mm-hmm. People don't realize Lord Alfred Hayes wrestled for 40 years. Yeah. You know, they don't. Those are kids, and they don't know. He,
3: you know even they,
2: a, a, a reincarnation of uh, Stephen Regal, exactly. Look, I mean, you you can't yeah. say that
0: there was nothing there that uh, that this brought to the table. Look at you know William Regal or Stephen Regal, whatever you want to call them. You know, the point is, it's a, that's the, exactly cut from the same mold, right? That's his character. You know, the uppity British snob. Right. Right. He was exquisite in that role. He dressed the part Dan the man. Yeah. Okay, so what happened to that? They again, creative took a giant crap.
1: Yeah, well, you know, on, it's, you know,
0: it's actually- on, a, on a tried and true um uh gimmick you want to call it what it is you're
1: you're right and it's actually funny that you mentioned Alfred Hayes because he had that that regal announcer feel like when he was doing the backstage interviews when he was doing the, the the interviews ringside it felt it had that main event you know Howard Cosell talking to Muhammad Ali kind of big feel because he had the voice he had the look that's actually something Nick Aldis has criticized before, not just the WWE, but wrestling in general, that it doesn't have that, that invested feel anymore. Most, most pe- yeah. wrestling promotions don't put out a product that the average person can care about or be interested in.
0: And here is, and that's exactly, I'm going to tie right in exactly what you said. Lord Alfred Hayes, for all intents and purposes, started his career in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's blue-collar, nuts-and-bolts territory. Mm-hmm. Right. What put him over was that he was that uppity British elite snob right. amongst these, you know, blue-collar, beer-bellied, you know, Friday night football, beer-drinking guys.
2: They want to watch a work every day.
0: Exactly. Right. And they wanted to hate him, and they loved to hate him. But they made him a star.
1: Oh, and he, I mean, he had, and he had that voice. I mean, he was, he was no Art Donovan when it came to calling a wrestling match, but no. he had, <laughs> he had that, that voice. How much does that guy weigh? He had that voice that just something, you know, I, like I said, that Howard Cosell, that, that, um, you know, modern, so like, like an Al Michaels in the modern era, where just hearing him talk about sports made it sound more important.
0: In his voice, you could hear how far up his nose was turned. (laughs) Am I lying, Benny?
2: No, but but he gave an air of uh, legitimacy to to wrestling when he called it. That's exactly what Dan
0: was saying. Exactly. I think that's exactly what Dan... No, you're absolutely right. uh, That was a a great piece of wrestling that we won't ever see again. And Billy Corrigan took a financial beating. Not that he probably didn't feel the pinch of it at all. He's got so much freaking money. Right. But, you know, my, my contention is even so, to some degree, guys, and let's, you know, uh, have you uh, comment on this, Dan. Somebody like Tony Khan that's worth literally billions of dollars, mm-hmm. who, who arguably has more money than McMahon's. And that's, yeah. I think that's factual. No, you're absolutely right. I don't think right. there's any argument. That Tony Khan has substantially more money than the McMahon's. Yeah. Why is he pissing it away? What is he doing?
1: Well, the 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 fact is, and I know it's uh, not to not to criticize a product that apparently some people like. Oh, is, why
0: not? Because I hate
1: Tony it. <laughs> Khan is by all, and I hate to use this word. Tony Khan is by all definitions, he is a mark. He is a mark, and when a mark has money to throw it a product Tony Khan is playing video game creative promotion with with real life people he can i mean why how else do you justify sting and the 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 some of the some of the four Horsemen references and and paying all that money to have Jake Roberts cut a promo three times a month like yeah. you have you know you have this he's a mark and as he's just he's a mark with a bottomless pocket so yeah. yes it, he can spend money on whatever the hell he wants
0: and you know what? And he knows he's a mark, and his and his employees know he's a mark. Exactly. And they're not going to correct him, and they're not going to tell him that, that he can't do it and spend his money. And, and he's got that kind of money. He can spend it as he wishes. But the more he spends, the more of a mark he looks like. Benny, exactly. what is your thought on this whole um, AEW fiasco? And I call it a fiasco because it really is. You know, and I said to Dan before, and I think you might have been on the show, Benny, that I had great hope. I held out great hope for AEW. I really, really did. I, I was hoping that finally here's a company that's got some financial backing. They've got some great talent under their, you know, in their roster and uh, uh, talent behind the scenes that can really make a difference. And my hopes, they, they just, they fell flat in front of me, scattered all over like, you know, like burnt firewood. Shut and the I'm shit. Picking up, <laughs> picking up the cold embers. Um, what, what happened, Ben?
2: I, I, I feel exactly the same way. And I, I, you know, I would venture to say that, was, you know, when, when I first heard about them, I got excited too. And I'm thinking, you know, Jim Ross, well, you know, my, one of my favorite announcers of all time. And exactly. you know Cody Rhodes, well, you know I love Cody Rhodes and it just it never became what I thought it was gonna be. I mean I and I would venture to say that there's very few guys my age watching it. Um, you know you're gonna I, I don't yeah. know what the demographic is. I'm thinking you know you, you're talking about 16 year old kids it, that are watching it, that yeah. show.
1: The, the the demographic that they target, and you can tell because they always hype when whenever they announce their ratings, they always emphasize it is 18 to 40, that 18 to 49 year old or 18 to 39-year-old male, that demographic. Because when they say, you now, know, we got well, X not X like, <laughs> like like you know a three well, let's share. Let's talk and about
0: two, that. Then the man, let's talk about that demographic. 18 to 49, the 18 to 40-year-old males. Okay. Yep. <sighs> It's an interesting demographic because, especially now in, in this particular uh, period of time that we're going through, the 18 to 40-year-old is, uh, by and large, uneducated, uh, underemployed or unemployed, um, does not have a professional background. Isn't this exactly who the wrestling fan is?
1: Yeah, you, you know it's it's funny because the eighteen you you think about the we've talked about this so many times on the show you watch the territory tapes and that's not a crowd full of eighteen to forty year old men it's old women it's elderly people and exactly. it's people bringing their grandkids it's people in their fifties it's or it's little children the demographic at some point wrestling got away from their fan base and started catering to people who usually weren't wrestling fans. And they, they, AEW, and I'm going to bounce off what Benny said, what's killing out, like, that demographic is fine. What's killing outside that demographic is you see your Cody and your Chris Jericho, and you bring these people in, and you think they're going to change the game. But instead, Cody and Jericho and the talent... They start wrestling the Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks matches, and now everybody on their roster sucks.
0: You used the word there, Dan, and Benny, I'm sure you picked up on it. You used the word there that did not get lost on me. It's the magic word. Catered to. Yep. They catered to. And let's be honest about it. Cody said... They were going to cater to a niche audience. In so doing, he sealed their fate. Yeah. Now, it used to be a time, Benny, when they catered to the casual audience. Guys like you and I, guys that had a level of professionalism, guys that would take our kids, our grandkids, would go with the guys from work. To the Spectrum or the Nassau Coliseum or uh, the Garden, right? Now, you'd be hard... First of all, you'd be hard-pressed to to see anyone taking any member of their family. They're usually going by themselves because no one else wants to be seen with them embarrassed to be walking into a wrestling show anywhere, USA. But in our time and in our day... You took the kids and grandmom and grandpa, and look, families down south, you know, in Charlotte, North Carolina, Christmas Day, Christmas Day, they would sell out the Coliseum. Yeah. They would all go. The whole family would go to the wrestling match. You're not going to find that and they'll never happen again. That no. will never happen again.
1: Then well, I mean, look in. at, look at, look at uh, the, the the first big pay per views when I was a kid. Starcade. Starcade aired on Thanksgiving. That was the whole family would eat dinner and then watch Starcade. You know, it, it was yeah. wrestling was part of the, the the gathering of the of the, the get together, especially in the south. Well,
0: yeah. Not only that, Dan, but think about how many people filled up that building.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Thanksgiving night, you had 30,000 people at the Coliseum. Exactly.
0: So that's a lot of people that left the dinner table early to go to a wrestling show.
1: Yep.
2: Danny, chime in. I think, and it's just my opinion, and I'm not a marketing guy, but, you know, like you said, I'm a broken down accountant from Ocala. But, <laughs> um <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I'm not broken down, and I'm not from Ocala, but I am an accountant. But um, I think what's happened is it's just lost its mass appeal. I think, like you said, you know, back in the day, you know, you you all went to the matches together, and, and it wasn't, you know, like the dad didn't take the kids out of a sense of obligation. The dad took the kids because he liked it just as much as they did, exactly. even the grandparents. Yeah, yep. and that's that's what's missing now.
0: And that's the point I was making to Dan. You know, I had the, to- Smarten up, this young squire here, you know, because he is a mere child. He's just, <laughs> a, well, just turned thirty-seven. He's he's just a pup. Um, Dan, have that conversation with Benny about. Um, would would you take, you know, your wife or your, uh, you know, your nie- nieces and nephews to a wrestling match today? And be in all candor, be honest.
1: Well, I'll admit, um, my wife and I have actually been to several wrestling events. We we live in Norfolk. That's still a huge market for both the WWE during their, well, not anymore during the house show tours, but when when TNA was still trying to be the Southern promotion, like the NWA part two, they came through Norfolk all the time. Right. Uh, my wife and I have been to several shows. And, and there's a big uh, Hampton Roads, the Norfolk, Virginia Beach, as far as Richmond, the Carolinas. There's still a big indie market out here. So we go to a lot of the indie shows too. But as far as, as kids, honestly, I... I would be hard pressed to, hey, you know, Dan Jr., come watch wrestling with me because uh, odds are my, my, my kids aren't going to like it. I'm, I'm invested because I've been a wrestling fan for you know, almost 40 years. I, somebody who turns on Monday Night Raw for the first time today is, is going to lose interest 10 minutes into the show.
0: And and Benny, I think that's what, what you and I can relate to. You and I can relate to, to being old enough. To go into the garden or the spectrum or the Coliseum, you know, and, and know what it's like to sit down with our, our niece, our nephew, our kids, uh, and have that bonding experience today. It's not a bonding experience. It's like, okay, well, we're going to go out Uh, tonight, but, but back then,
2: Dan lives in what was used to be a hotbed, you know, Norfolk. This was yep. the, oh, scope. Yeah, the scope, sure. I mean, that was a huge uh mainstay for for W uh NWA back in the day,
1: yeah. And NWA, sure. and then eventually Crockett and WCW. A lot right. of their big yeah. big moments, flare, flare roads, Flair, steamboat, 2, those were all here at the scope, yeah. And they were there every month, weren't they? Pretty, m- Pretty much,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. We should also point out that the Norfolk Scope <laughs> may be infamous or or famous or infamous, depending on how you want to look at it. Then you know where I'm going with it, right? uh this uh, it was the site of the um, the 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 shot heard across the bow. Yeah. Uh literally, in fact, um, yep. the WWE rolled up upon the Norfolk Scope, literally in a tank. Yep. Uh,
3: oh, that arrow jeez full you
0: know full regalia and military uniform and you know uh camouflage makeup and uh and and the jeep with an artillery gun
1: yeah cuz both uh, uh, both WWF and WCW were holding their Monday night shows in Norfolk that day and yeah one thing led to another and that's
0: that kind of mm-hmm. drama is missing it'll never will never see it again And that saddens me that, you know, first of all, it saddens me here in New Jersey that there has literally not been a single wrestling show in literally one year.
1: Well, it, it, you look at at it's it's. I'm glad you mentioned that, Angelo, because we've talked about this before. the the the, the territory days, it, when you had all the territories, yes, there was there was a gentleman's agreement not to overlap, but you still had to be a good territory because people could drive up the road or drive to another city or turn a different channel and watch something else. If you look at when when the final territories folded, the AWA, and when the NWA kind of became centralized when the WWF officially had no longer had real any real competition, that was the beginning of the new generation with your stupid gimmicks and your your uh, crazy matches. Really, the downfall of modern wrestling was no competition. And then yeah. the Monday Night Wars, some of what was arguably the best wrestling of its generation, be- picked back up because there was competition. Yeah. I think... I a part of me wanted the AEW and the NWA to succeed because when you have two, three big promotions to watch, you have to be better or, or somebody's going to change the channel. When you're the only game in town for 20 years, your product eventually is going to grow stale.
0: Well, here's what happened, and this is uh, interesting that you say that. Um, You know, the ECW Arena uh, was a small building in Philadelphia mm-hmm. that held – a sizable amount of people largely because the fire department turned their head and looked, (laughs) looked the other way. Right. I mentioned this because it was in an area called Swanson and Rittner. Now it's not far from a main drag called Delaware Avenue, which by the way is filled block after block with empty warehouse upon empty warehouse from the eighties. And I'm not even kidding from the 80s to the mid to latter 90s almost 18 to 20 years every one of those warehouses were filled with indie wrestling promotions and every one of those warehouses had at least 5 500 to 700 500 to 1000 mm-hmm. people on any given Friday or Saturday night in a five block area. It was nothing. It was nothing to have seven or eight indie shows going on the same street. That went on for almost 20 years because the ECW arena was so close by. They could afford the overflow and very often and a, a lot of people don't know this. I know because I was there. Uh, the guys from ECW would often go into these places mm-hmm. and do a, you know, exhibition match or just do like a a, a run in or just make an appearance. Right. Kind of like they the, would uh, all do it. There were pet. plenty of places to go. You don't see that anymore.
1: No, They'd not, not not in the slightest, you don't really see much involvement. And I, we talked about it when we had Karen McDaniel on, where yeah. when you get some of the older talent, like I was telling the story where I saw Wahoo at an indie show, I mean, half the crowd was there to see him sign autographs and stand in the ring for five minutes. Nobody gave a shit about the indie wrestling. you know. And that's not a knock on the indie talent. It's just... The market today is there hasn't produced any new big names in a generation. That the older uh, the older names. I mean, like Benny mentioned with AEW, you know, here's the the, the two biggest names on your screen right now are Chris Jericho and Sting. Like you have, you you have guy half your rosters under the age of twenty five, and somebody who watches every week probably can't name five people.
0: And the two biggest stars in your company are fifty and sixty one years old.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Right.
0: Okay. Think about that. Yep. And but but again, history wrestling history Benny is repeating itself. Where have we seen this before? Oh, let's see. Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Triple H. Uh, you know, I can go on. Yeah. The, um, the the all of these guys are between fifty and sixty years old. Yeah. Yeah, they did this for 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 WrestleMania. They did this for SummerSlam. They did this for uh, oh god, what uh, Survivor Series, the Royal Rumble.
1: And it's not even it's not even just the WWF. I mean, look at what happened to aw or excuse me, um, the the A, AWA's ratings and attendance figures when you know it, 1985 and your main event still had Vern Gagne in it. You it, know, it, and he was Even even as loyal as the fans were to him, they got tired of seeing an old man be the centerpiece of your entire show.
0: That's why, and even after him, Larry Zbyszko here. Oh, I'm sorry, Benny. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, I said even, and
2: even after Vern Gagne, they put the belt on another old guy, Nick Bockwinkel. Right. Who was these had the and chance I'm, of a lifetime with Hulk. And, I'm, Benny, I'm glad
0: you said that because I was just about to, to, to chime in with when we had Larry Zabisco here. He told Dan and I exactly that, exactly what you just said. You know, you know, everybody knew Nick Bockwinkel was a great wrestler. No question about it. But he was at 15 years past his prime. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Nick wrestled. You know, people don't understand this. Nick was in his 60s still wrestling. Yeah. Nick Bockwinkle and Tito Santana wrestled an old timers match at the Meadowlands in New Jersey back in the day. Okay. Tito was pushing 60. Nick was 65. Right. Wow. The people don't understand that, but they were, and for guys that age, they were two of the best looking guys on the card.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had, you, you think about it, you, you mentioned, Benny mentioned Hulk Hogan, you know, them dropping the ball on Hulk Hogan when Bockwinkle was defending the title against Hulk Hogan. He was in his, he was already in his fifties. Exactly. Yes, exactly.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, so yeah, again, goes back to, you know, where are the stars of tomorrow? You know, hence the name of our show, wrestling with the future yeah. and, and wrestling really is wrestling with the future. They, they are literally grappling with the future of wrestling. Because I, I am one of those guys. I'm on record, and everybody here knows it. I'm on record as having said, you will see the death of pro wrestling in the next two years. In under two years. You, if, and I caveat myself, I caveat myself. If you don't see... A dramatic shift to stop the presses,
3: realign ourselves with who we are, Mm -hmm. remember where we came from, and remember how we got there. If that doesn't
0: happen, wrestling's dead. Yep. It's dead. Because, and it's a sad state of affairs, Dan and and you can comment on this having been this on indie shows far more than i have quite frankly because there's nothing there's nothing here right when you have the indie promotions doing old school better than the big companies mm-hmm. and i want you and dan i mean i want you you dan and benny to have uh uh that conversation
1: yeah i mean i it- It's actually funny, we we were talking about, I I talked about announcing, we mentioned AEW. One of the big stories of the last, I'd say, 72 hours or so in wrestling was Jim Ross did an interview and he lambasted, I mean, just completely buried the, the AEW match, you know, the flips. Yeah. And he, he talked about how everybody huddles in the corner. He said, what do he say? They they huddle like a group of quail, you know, in the corner waiting for somebody to do the dive. And then it looks so fake and stupid. And every match has 100 super kicks and the DDT is not protected. And he went into this whole rant and he basically buried the roster of the company he works for. And he's absolutely right. A lot of people yep. that came out of the woodwork were like, yeah, you know, he And nobody's
0: going to argue with him because he's right, and they're paying him exactly. All meant to be there.
1: It makes you wonder. This is. There's no way. There's no way. That's the first time he's ever said this. He's probably been working with these guys for. I mean, AW's been around for almost two years. Mm -hmm. You know, he's probably been telling them every day, "Stop this. Listen to me." And they're ignoring him, or they're just not absorbing it.
0: They they're doing to him. And 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 I want Benny to chime in because. Uh, this is one you and benny have this man in common he's one of your favorite people um they're doing to jim ross these young kids are doing to jim ross what they did to vince russo say what you want about vince russo as a writer but the guy has been around long enough to know what works and what doesn't he didn't make a million dollars
3: you know but just getting lucky. He did something right. Have that conversation.
1: Hey, what do you think, Benny?
3: I, I absolutely
2: love Jim Ross. I mean, besides Gordon Sully, probably my all-time favorite announcer. Mm-hmm. But I've got to believe that when he goes home at night, he's got to be shaking his head. I, I just, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sure he's loving his paycheck. But
1: I, I can't I can't believe that he believes that this stuff is, is good. Well, you know, it's funny. as I, I, I can't speak for what you and Angelo do. I, I try and keep up with AEW and the WWE for the sake of the show. And I love Jim Ross as an announcer, like you said. Gordon Soley, I put him up there. He's, I mean, he's easily Mount Rushmore of announcing. But you hear him talk, even when he's trying to sell, even when he's pushing the match and he's trying to put people over – you can hear in his voice, he it's like a uh, an actor reading a bad script. Like, he clearly doesn't believe everything he's saying or he's trying to trip. He trips over his own words, trying to describe something. Uh, half the match, he'll sit there. I mean, somebody will hit, you know, a guy will hit somebody with a chair and Jim Ross will chime in and be like, uh, well, we'll have to figure out why that's not a disqualification. Like, he he tries to put a realistic spin on just the crap that he's seeing and the man sounds broken. I mean, I'm sure, like you said. I'm sure he's loving those paychecks, and obviously he has a lot of connections with Anderson and and you know, Tully Blanchard and Saul in the company. But I think it hurts. Vince uh, – uh, I almost called him Vince Russo. I think it hurts Jim Ross the same way when you listen to Vince Russo at the end of his time in WCW, where even even though he's big in the company, it's blatantly obvious he sees the crap that's coming out of it.
0: Dan, let me ask you a question. Yes. What happens at what point do you say, at what, at what point, maybe you and, and Benny could both chime in on this. At what point do you say, it's time to listen to my moral compass. And even though they're paying me all this handsome money, I just can no longer in good conscience be here.
1: I know we we brought up his name earlier, uh, Jim Cornette. When AEW started, there was a very high profile, very very lucrative offer they sent yeah. Jim Cornette, and and even until recently, there's been pushes to bring him into the company as both an announcer and a mouthpiece. And he said time and time again, he wants nothing to do with that product. Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, the he as long as the, as that mm-hmm. flippy bullshit is on the roster, I want nothing to do with the company no matter how much you pay me. Um, yeah. I. I don't know how long Jim Cornette or Jimmy Jim Ross's contract is, but I think he'd be hard pressed to extend it much longer. Um, and, well, and, and, and
0: that's, and that's exactly what I was getting to, you know, at what point do you say, you know what guys, thank you for the, uh, for the ride. It was a great ride. I made right. you know, I made some nice money here, but I just can't do this anymore. Like was- what you know to, to, to use the, uh, to use the old BB King, you know, the thrill is gone, you know.
1: Right. Well, I mean, he uh, he definitely has. Um, he's a he's the consummate professional. I mean, he he stayed through his WWE contract despite Vince McMahon shitting on him for fun. Um, so I think he'll at least finish out whatever contract he has yeah. with AEW, and he'll and he'll do he'll give him a hundred percent to the end. But I don't see him staying around after that at this point, anyway.
0: What about that, Benny?
2: I completely agree. I mean, I, I think deep down, the man knows he has a legacy he needs to preserve. I mean, the, the guy called, you know, Magnum TA
3: against R- Mr. Wrestling 2. And- oh, did we lose Penny? Uh,
1: I'm seeing a still feed on him.
3: Yeah. Did
0: oh. we lose him? Your- oh, we lost Bentley. Oh.
1: Okay. Looks like he's trying to get back in the call here.
0: Oh, okay.
3: But maybe you can pick up, Dan, where, where, where Benny, because you're pretty good about chiming in, where he left off at. That's weird, wow. ben. Benny. I'm losing everybody here tonight. <laughs> Benny's dropped, disconnected
1: me.
0: Yeah, wow. I was just going to say, uh, why don't we uh, pick up where, where Benny left off at?
1: yeah no he's actually hundred percent right I mean you're talking Magnus TA mr. wrestling too Jim Ross the uh, the I think until the day he dies he'll he'll be mostly associated with a, uh, you know stop the damn match good God he's dead mankind getting thrown off to hell in a cell yeah. um, some of the high profile calls he had when he was with Crockett and and the southern wrestling I mean I think he doesn't want to go the way. I hate I well, hate-
0: and that and let me let me ask you a question, yeah. and I just uh, as you're speaking, something again, my wheels are going, something prompted this question. We saw this happen with Ric Flair. We almost saw it happen with the undertaker, thank god he he got smart and and, and took a you know a job backstage and mm-hmm. you know he's not going to have to worry about working anymore.. Well, but, but here's the question I have. We know a wrestler can overstay their welcome. Yes. We've seen it time and time again on, on a myriad of levels, you know, old school to now. Um, can an announcer overstay their welcome?
1: Yes. Is there I, I, a
0: time, Dan, when they're just not relevant anymore?
1: I, I mean, maybe maybe relevant. Yes, I think it's the same thing with uh, you see it in some of the modern product. Um, despite the fact that he was so beloved, uh, when when Howard Finkel stepped away from the WWF or WWE because his voice, he had that eighties sports you know he had the 80s wrestling voice he wasn't the sports entertaining sounding commentator yeah you know exactly um, I, I think yeah i think there's a time you see it with some managers who who stick around and the next thing you know they like they've got some random ass wrestler as their client and it's like i yeah. at this point just just you know just retire um, yeah I one think that it's comes to mind nine, 10, and
0: I'm, I'm sure benny will remember but one that comes to mind is uh Luscious Johnny's Valiant when he did that stint as a manager. I thought that was such a colossal waste of time and talent and money and energy. Because what did he really accomplish other than to get a a, a payday for a night? You know, yeah. what did he really get? A couple of bucks. You know, Yeah. Oh, and- Benny, we lost Benny again. Oh, there's Benny. No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, so what do you think, Benny? I mean, uh, you know, that's what, that's what comes to mind. You know, I, uh, I love I, Johnny V.
3: Yeah,
2: I, I love Johnny V. I mean, I, I think at some point, like even Gordon Soley, late, late in his career, much as I love the guy, I think I looked at him more as a nostalgia act than, you know, uh, a you know, contemporary announcer. And I think that's what Jim Ross has to be wary of. Same thing is you know.
0: Well, gonna- and, and I agree with. Believe it or not, I agree with you. But I think what Gordon had going for him is the fact that he had this incredible um, sense of realism that this is a real, legit sport. He oh. he landed, and I think that's the word I'm looking for. He landed an air of. Real legitimacy. That when Gordon Soley spoke, you know, it was like it, Gordon Soly was like the Walter Cronkite of the wrestling world when he right. spoke.
2: positioned. When when they panned to his desk, I mean, it was almost like you were visiting a newsroom. It was so legitimate. Yeah, and then that's exactly right. Yeah,
0: that's exactly no, just, right. Probably-
2: Late towards the end of his career, I, I, I meant, but like you know in his prime, there was nobody better than him.
0: And we should point out this is a great a great place to uh, to segue into next week, December the 22nd, we will have Pam Allen with us. and if you don't know the name Pam Allen, you certainly do her. you, you certainly do know her uh, as the daughter of Gordon Solie. She is Gordon Solie's daughter. She will be with us December the 22nd. That is our last show uh, until January the 5th. We are on Christmas hiatus, um, and then we are, uh, we are reformulating, repackaging Wrestling with the Future to make it bigger and better and more inclusive um, to the people that we like, and we're going to completely shit on the people we don't like. Um, and I'll just tell you straight up, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> and, well, you know why? That's I'm, what I do.
0: That's what we're going to do. And I'm, I'm just, I'm tired of kissing people's asses. I'm not going to do it anymore. And we're just going to, we're going to tell it like it is because we go there. <laughs> but here's what we're going to do. We're going to have Gordon, Gordon Soli's daughter, Pam Allen. You know what, Benny and Dan, that might be. Um, a great opportunity to ask her next week. Well, exactly what we're talking about. How did your father view his, uh, his place in wrestling? That would be an interesting uh, conversation to have. What do you think about that, Ben?
2: Absolutely. I mean, You wonder how people view themselves. Like you wonder how Vince Scully did he think to himself, man, I'm the best ever, or am I? You know, am I just doing my job? Maybe the same thing with Gordon Soley. I I just whenever I watched championship wrestling from Florida, and I I I saw him at his announce desk, and he had like Harley Race or Terry Funk, it 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 just was so believable.
0: Exactly, and that's that's exactly the point. I mean, you know, he had that you know, legit sports field, you know, uh, a a sense of like legit, like this guy's the real deal. He even had papers on his desk. I always wonder what was on the papers. Yes, and that, and I'm, thank you for noticing. (laughs) It's like, you know, he had all of his his notes, you know, neatly lined up. Um, People, because even when you're a kid, you don't realize that he's he's looking at a teleprompter reading off the cue cards. Um, But who cares when you're, you know, when you're a little kid, you buy into the, the myth. Um, Benny, let's uh, at this point in the show, let us uh, have a word from our sponsor and we will uh, we'll say goodnight. I hope we get Dan back in here. Dan's fell off the grid. So I don't All know right. what happened to Dan.
2: All right. So it, it, is it time?
0: It is time to hear a word from our friends at Manscaped.
2: All righty. Okay, well, do you have sweaty balls or volleyball netty balls? Maybe even yeti balls. Or back in the day, Roosevelt teddy balls. Time to make some ready balls. And Manscaped's Lawnmower 3.0 will do the job on your knob with this (laughs) patented no-neck head, so your head will be better than right-said Fred. Enter wrestling... (laughs) For a, for a generous 20% discount that's future for a 20% discount manscaped.com and wrestling with the future are going balls to the wall dot com and the lawnmower 3.0 your balls will thank you and so will we <laughs> oh shit I love that
0: that's
3: glad you right. liked it
0: that was beautiful oh my god that was beautiful. Perfect. Perfect. I, lo- I love the... Re- Only Benny Scala could reference Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> in that's, that's, that a male trash. That's grooming a, commercial. Saw. How do you pull that one off? I don't know. I hope... I really hope Dan the Man heard that one. That was classic. I had to do our sponsor proud. Oh, yeah. Dan, the man is back. Hey, hey brother.
1: Was, we we lost power. Sorry about that. Wow. Did you? Yeah, it just blinked on and off. I had to reboot the oh, computer. Oh, I guess. Are
0: you guys getting uh, a heads yeah. up on the snow down there, Dan? Is that what's happening?
1: Probably just the wind.
0: Okay. Yeah, we're supposed to get some some nasty weather. We'll, in your absence, um, bless his heart, uh, our friend Benny Scala from Ocala was uh, was telling everybody about President Teddy Roosevelt. Um, I'll just I'll you know, just that's that. I call him the
2: Rough Rider, right, Angelo? Uh, yeah, is that his <laughs> nickname, the Rough Rider?
0: He was the Rough Rider, and he's
2: that's why certainly benefits Mans-
0: from Manscaped.com. Absolutely. Oh no, <laughs> absolutely. Dan, gonna that's all it? I'm going to say to you, brother. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Hilarious. So, um. You know, in concluding uh, part one, what have we learned uh, about the state of our beloved wrestling in 2020? And as we segue into Thursday night, um, let's kind of uh, let's give people a preview of what they can expect uh, in maybe the year to come, the year or two to come. Uh, in, in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, Benny, give me your predictions. Let's do, it. Let's do a year-end prediction from Ben Scala. What, well, what, uh, what do you uh, see happening in the next,
2: let's say, uh, two years? I, I predict it can only get better because it sure can't get any worse. <laughs> and, and I'd like to start watching again. I mean, I'd like to stop you know, every once in a while not have to watch YouTube videos of you know, JYD and Ted DiBiase from Mid-South. And maybe yeah. watch some more current.
0: Yeah, you know what, Benny? I, I, I absolutely concur with you. I absolutely concur. You know, In my case, I've not seen a show, a live show, literally in a year. I've not seen a televised wrestling show in two years. Um, I have not gone, literally have not gone to a WWE show in almost... Twelve, God, it's been that long—almost twelve years. Wow, just yeah, over eleven years. Okay, that's that's for real. That's that's the real deal. I'm not even bullshitting. The last show I saw was close to twelve years ago at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Um, and before that, I can't even tell you. I cannot even tell you. How long it was? Probably another five or six before that.
2: But how many times did you see them at the Spectrum in the 80s? Every month.
0: Every month. Right. And once in a while, they would run a double shot. They'd be there twice in a month if it was a special occasion. Or they would play the Spectrum in Philadelphia. And they would come to New Jersey and play the Trenton, um, the Sovereign Bank Arena in Trenton, New Jersey. Because, and they weren't far from each other. Um, maybe 30 minutes or so. But uh, yeah, but those days are gone. Oh, you, yeah. you'd, be, you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, the big Fed come here once every two or three years. They haven't been to Philadelphia in ages, ages, Yep, long time.
2: I think maybe that's something we should talk about on Thursday, too, is like, you know, how is it as a fan? You know, back in the day, we could go, like, you could go to the Spectrum. I could go to the Garden. I could go to the Coliseum every month. Yeah. You know, I I can't do that anymore.
0: Well, not not only the, the Spectrum, but don't forget, Benny, and even Dan knows. Back in the day, WWF would run the Spectrum, the NWA would that's run the right, Civic yeah, Center, you can, exactly the yeah. Civic Center. And on uh, on several occasions, they went head to head. And I got news for you: on one of those occasions, the NWA at the Civic Center beat out the Spectrum. Yeah. From what I, I, I'm I'm listening
3: Which 15, to fifteen thousand people. That's have, I,
0: I, yeah. You know, 15,000 people. UA and
2: Philly, a lot of them are at WWF or WWE.
0: Right. And, you know, 12,000 people at the Spectrum and 15 grand at the Civic Center. So, yep. in, you know, in one night in the same city, you had 25,000, 30,000 people watching wrestling live. That don't happen anymore. No. Nah. Well,
2: But back then, we cared. We don't care anymore. You know, I think
0: think maybe I want to get in the key to Brezhnikov here Thursday because he could tell you about how they used to do double shots in Baltimore.
2: Like Baltimore and D.C. on the same day.
0: Well, yeah, because they had the Capitol Center and then then the Baltimore Civic Arena. You know?
1: I I, I think, too, Baltimore Civic Center. Something that gets lost in that is. The quality, it's not just, you know, the the house shows, the house circuit, that was not just the big crowds. I mean, we talked earlier, you know, the, the, the invasion in Norfolk between the, the, the two Norfolk arenas, you had 25,000 people on a Monday night. But when, when you were a new, younger, up-and-coming green wrestler, the house show is where you cut your teeth. You'd wrestle the same person four or five times a week for months on end. Now Nowadays, they're, they're, they record one show a week, maybe, uh, you know, and not everybody wrestles every every Raw, every SmackDown, every AEW, every NXT. So you don't get these guys that get to wrestle like Magnum TA told us. His first year wrestling, he wrestled 500 matches in a year. You you got guys ten, five years in the business haven't wrestled 500 matches. So the quality of your product goes down. So That's the crowds cool. at your house shows go down. So, you run less, and the quality of your. It's a horrible, vicious cycle. Now, the WWE announced earlier this year they're done with house shows, Raw, SmackDown, and pay per views only. And obviously, AEW doesn't have the fan base to do touring house shows the way that WCW and the NWA did. Uh, so, At I think. 10,
0: that ties exactly into why I think wrestling in the next two years will die. Wrestling lived, thrived, survived on live people going to live events, yep. watching a live show, paying money to park, paying money to get into the building, buying a ticket, buying your popcorn, buying your candy, buying your merch, a lot yeah. of merch.
1: And and it was a reasonable night out. I mean, if you could go to – like, like when I, when I lived in Maryland, I mean, the ball, you, you go to the arena, a house show in the arena of Baltimore, good seats were 15 bucks. And that was in the, that was in the nineties, yeah. you know, sure. you, you could take a, 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 like we talked about, you could go you know, to a couple could take their grandkids to watch a wrestling show a hundred bucks for the whole family, including parking and concessions. You got yep. pay-per-views now one boxing match is a 99 99 pay-per-view
0: like, well, Think about you. That's that's the cost of a pay per view. Think about what it costs you to go to a show now.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to a
0: a football game or baseball game recently. Yep, it's going to cost you forty bucks to park. Absolutely. It's going if you go to see a football game, you're going to spend two hundred and fifty bucks, three hundred dollars for a ticket.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Conservative, conservative. You're going to pay probably ten to twelve bucks for a beer. You're going to pay 7 or $8 for a hot dog. Um, if you can find a bag of peanuts, you may, pa- you may pay 5 bucks for a bag of peanuts. Yep. If you can find a bag. Um, a tall can of beer is going to run you $15 easily. Easily. Yeah. Um, a bottle of water is going to cost you 5 bucks. You got to take out a loan. To go to a game now,
2: yeah, I, I, I've said that you have to take out a second mortgage just to go to a sporting event nowadays.
0: It, yeah, exactly. Yep. So here's what's going to happen, uh, and watch—it's going to happen. Watch—you are going to have literally a multitude, a legion of empty venues collapsing in on themselves, and you watch it. Owners are going to let these places go. They're going to take the loss. They're going to let the, the Spectrum, I mean, it's the Spectrum, that's already gone. The Wells Fargo Center, they're going to let it crumble in on itself. They're going to let Madison Square Garden just stay empty. You know, let the, let the, uh, the hockey, the, the Rangers play on the ice in an empty arena. Let, let them do that. No people. people. People don't belong there no more. They don't want you there. Well, guess what? Eventually, it's going to catch up with you. No people means no revenue. No revenue means no cash flow. No yeah. cash flow means you can't pay nobody. And it's cool. Players, management, uh, you can't buy uh, equipment. Um, uh, uh, what do you call them? jerseys, pads, yeah. all that, all the shit you need for a team. Yeah.
1: You can't buy you them. Know, uh, I I got I got curious while you were talking, Angelo. I looked it up. The uh, per per NFL index for a family of four. This is four tickets, two beers, four sodas, four hot dogs, and parking. Uh, in 2019, it was thirteen hundred and fifty-one dollars per game. You so you're spending almost fourteen hundred. The better part of fourteen hundred bucks for for one one a couple hours out with your family.
0: Uh, to to Benny and I's point, you have to take out a loan to yep. go to a sporting event.
1: Yeah, yep.
0: Okay. I remember I could go see a championship fight at the Spectrum or the Philadelphia Arena or Madison Square Garden for seven dollars. hmm I could go see uh, Rono and Ivan Koloff for for seven fifty. Yeah. Ten dollar
3: ringside. I see. I said uh,
2: wait. Yankee Stadium for seventy-five cents to
1: see a doubleheader. There
3: yeah. you go.
1: First, first match I ever went to uh, out of my own. To, to, you know, was obviously I was younger, but out of my own allowance money, it was a cage, cage match, heavyweight title, and it was four seats for fifteen bucks.
0: The first match I ever paid for myself and took a bus to get there was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It was the Cherry Hill Arena. It was in fact it's the match I went to, it's funny, is in Nikita Brezhnikov's book. He's oh, got no. the post. He's got the poster from that show I was at. That's funny. I paid two dollars and fifty cents to see eight matches, which included Chief J Strongbow. Killer Kowalski, um, Salvatore Bellomo, and Rene Goulet. Wow. And the ring announcer was Buddy Wagner. Wow. Okay? In an 8,000-seat building. Okay? And they made money.
3: All right? <laughs> Dan... Say good night to everybody.
0: I'm going to let you do the do the go home. You do the sign off, and uh, and let's see how you do this thing because I'm 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 grading you now.
1: All right, well, I'm not um, grading
0: on a curve, so
1: <laughs> of course. Well, I mean, obviously, so wrestling with it? the future. <laughs> nice, Benny. We we can. Uh... Wrestling with the Future, we can be found anywhere podcasts are listened to. Uh, We're on Twitter at Wrestling Future. that's no G. We're on YouTube, Wrestling with the Future Podcast. We're on Facebook, Wrestling with the Future Podcast. We currently only have the private page now, a fan club exclusive Wrestling with the Future Podcast Facebook page. We're also on Instagram, Wrestling with the Future. Uh, And uh, we can be, like I said, we can be found anywhere uh, wrestling podcasts and podcasts can be listened to as well as radio, cable, we're international. We continue to expand, continue to grow the fan base we are a force to be reckoned with in 2021. We'll only get better.
0: On that note, for Ben Scala, Big Ben Scala from Ocala, for Dan the Man, the Happy Haberdasher, the smartest guy in the room, I'm Angelo Scipio. We will see you on Tuesday with Pan Allen, Gordon Soli's daughter. Take care, everybody, and Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll see you around. Bye-bye.